Our economy is crashing. Inflation is out of control. Why are conservatives bad, Mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve. <laughs> They'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move. Russia has joined with China. Okay. <laughs> the USA is a mess. It's not real. It's just a dream. Please, please wake up. Well, I hope you missed me. I missed you. So much going on in the world today. And over the weekend, just it never ends. Every day is a new adventure. When you wake up, you never know what is going to be happening in the world. We have some good things to be uh, uh, grateful for. Uh, the Hollywood writers are on strike, which means we don't have to put up with horribly written comedy from our uh, favorite late night talk show host. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, here we go. Uh, Arab States. Plus Iran, now among 19 nations ready to join BRICS. It's the hottest club in town. It's the hottest club in the universe. Uh, and unfortunately, Americans are not allowed to go in it. How, do you, how does that make you feel? Isn't that weird? There's a new coalition of all these governments. Uh, you know, we just had our G7. Oh, they've got the, it's better now. It's BRICS 19. It's a coalition of all countries that are run pretty much by dictators. See, I always thought that eventually the dictators would go away. As a kid, you know, you hear about these dictators like Fidel Castro, uh, the guy over in, in Egypt that we, we had killed that Hillary took out, uh, Noriega. All these guys, you figured over time that different people from all the different countries would start to realize that these these dictators are just not going to make us any better. And they would overthrow. And then one by one, they would sort of eliminate and dissipate. And that, my friend, would have been true progress. But instead, what's happened is that they haven't gone away. They've, they've coalesced now. You've got Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Algeria, Egypt, Bahrain, and Iran have formally asked to join the BRICS group as it prepares to hold its annual summit in South Africa. Nineteen nations have expressed interest and joining the emerging emerging markets of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And according to Anil Suklai, South Africa's ambassador to the group, quote, what will be discussed in this expansion of BRICS and the modalities of how this will happen, 13 countries have formally asked to join, and another six have asked informally. We are getting applications to join every day. You know why they're doing it? Well, I'm sure you know, because they look to the West and what kind of leadership do they see? They see France being overthrown, 800,000 people protesting. That's what they tell us in the, in the news. Uh, they're throwing firebombs. And I told you that it wasn't about just them pushing the uh, retirement age up two years. It's a whole list of things that they're just tired of being told what to eat. Their energy bills are going through the roof because they're trying to reduce their carbon, basically everything that our government is doing to us. Only we haven't started revolting yet. Or at least the people that are revolting aren't upset about those things. They're only upset about transgender youth surgery, LGBTQ rights, and reparations. That's what we're writing about over here. What they're writing about over in France is their, their quality of life is slowly going down the drain. And they're upset. 
So you've got G7 and BRICS nations each contribute equally to global economic growth in 2020. The Western locks or blocks performance has recently declined. By 2028, the G7 is expected to make up just 27.8% of the global economy, while BRICS will make up 35%. Now, all things being equal, I think that this is a, a market failure against open and free markets, or at least governments that support open and free markets. What I see here on the BRICS uh, on the BRICS nations is most of these countries are either ruled by despots or they have high socialist tendencies. Even Iran, which you could you could call a theocracy, but it's really uh, it's it's really socialism dressed up. It's, actually, it's worse than that. It's it's more like akin to what Hitler was doing in in his country with the Nazi Party. It's it's the government telling business how to operate which is what Biden would like to do here. I'm actually, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were idiots in our Congress who would suggest that maybe we ought to consider changing teams. Uh, to me, it's a measurement of what kind of society is going to have the dominant footprint in the next hundred years. America owned, uh, obviously, the last century. We were starting to get our footing in the middle of the Industrial Age, 1850, I think it's when slavery went away and we started increasing our machinery power and our steam power and eventually our electric power. And we became the dominant force. Steel, uh, uh, better education. We had a very educated class. But it's not that way anymore. It's actually going the other way. And that's what's sad about this is because I never thought, I would always have thought that every nation would eventually desire to want to be on the same team as the United States. But that's not the case. And I don't know what we can do to turn it around. I don't think that Biden is going to be able to turn it around. No way. No way. So um, what else is happening this week over the weekend that I just, I think what got me upset this morning is I was reading about Joy Reid over there at MSNBC. And she was quoted as saying that Republicans, they are, they have created a nation of, they want to create a nation of what she called, get this, womb slaves. Womb slaves. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never thought that it would ever be possible to take the word womb and slave and put them together. I just, I, I just couldn't imagine two words that are, but that's the way the Joy Reid and people of her ilk think. If I can pull it up, uh, I won't even have to pull it up. I already know what it says. I asked, uh, the problem with the left is that they, instead of reading 1984 and Brave New World, they read instead Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tales. That's what happened. They see, they must have watched that movie too much or uh, it was very popular. The television show was crazy. You saw when Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court, you had all these people that were showing up like they were from the movie. Jane's Revenge is, is based on Handmaid's Tale. So they view children as indentured servitude. They view uh, being pregnant as being enslaved by this womb, which makes it so much easier when you want to have reproductive health. Wink, wink, nod, nod. So it doesn't surprise me that Joy Reid and her ilk 
would be feeling this way about having children. I, 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 if I had a, a five-minute moment with her, I would ask her, why don't you live in the country of your father? I think he lives in Chad. I could be wrong. Could be. I don't think it's Somalia, but it's 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 one of those northeastern African nations. And I would ask her, do you or do you think they have a better life than the life that you had here? Why would you take fifty? She says it's twenty five percent of of Americans are Christians. I don't know where she got that figure, but it's way off. It's like ninety percent of the people in the United States. Uh, are some kind of Christian. Well, maybe that's not the case anymore. Maybe it's more like 75%. But it's still an overwhelming majority of people who put their faith in Christian teachings or Judeo-Christian teachings, myself among them. So I naturally get offended when someone says to me that, oh, your side just wants to imprison every woman and make them basically sex slaves. And I think to myself, man, are you just so far away from reality? I don't even understand it. And, and Joy Reid represents a, a mindset of women, and they're the ones that are out there fighting for transgender rights. They're the ones that are out there. Uh, the city of where I live, they've decided now that they're going to put up the gay LGBTQ pride flag just because they want to show that their support for the transgender community or for the LGBTQ community. Like they ha- everybody has to be affirmed. You know that our own president, Biden, this is, this is why I think people around the world are, are saying, maybe we want to be in bricks. Maybe we don't want to be influenced by Western culture. Maybe we don't want them to come over and teach our children these erroneous ideas about binary sexuality. Maybe we don't want our children to to entertain the idea of of getting you know transgender surgery because they identify as someone else and here's proof of what america exports so biden today is offering $500,000 grant for english teachers in pakistan that focus on transgender youth uh, that was reported today what where does he think that the people in pakistan want teachers from america He's putting their lives in danger is what he's doing. I can almost guarantee you that if an English teacher was caught teaching transgenderism to a youth, or for anybody for that matter, between the ages of 13 and 25, that English teacher would be dragged out into the streets of Kabul or wherever and stoned or burned. And there there would not be a hesitancy to that. That's the truth. There wouldn't be no hesitancy to that. We're living in an age where America is not exporting the, the kind of liberty that they're exporting is not the kind of liberty that I thought this country was founded on. It's a sad day when when we become the patriarchs for an ideology that completely undermines the family unit in America and elsewhere. So with that in mind, we'll take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk to Michael Letts about body cams and police officers and what's changed in law enforcement because of it. Plus, a little bit later on, we'll talk with Reverend Harden about uh, the latest from Ronnie McDaniel over the weekend, the the RNC chair saying that we, the Republicans, need to come up with a better message if we're going to win the next election when it comes to abortion. All that and more coming up. Speaking out, America, I'm J.R. 
And welcome back to Speaking Out America. I am JR with you, and I'm always honored to have Michael Letts on the program. He's the founder, president, and CEO of Invest USA, a national grassroots nonprofit organization that is helping hundreds of communities provide thousands of bulletproof vests for their police forces throughout educational, public relations, sponsorship, and fundraising programs. And uh, you just can't find a nicer guy and a man who's really just uh, pretty knowledgeable about what's going on in the world. And he is on our program every week because we don't want you to have the, the wool pulled over your eyes, Michael. And it's good to have you back. Welcome. Thank you, JR. Always a privilege. Uh, mine as well. And we're talking about Washington, D.C. And it is, to me, it is the metaphor for what's wrong with our government. And you couldn't find a, a more appropriate place for that. As long as I can remember, it's always been a cesspool of crime. Washington, D.C., and we just had one of the worst mayors, and now we got a new mayor. What? And they're trying to—Congress, I guess, is trying to make laws. Give us kind of a background, if you could, on what's going on in our nation's capital with crime and with legislation and law, law enforcement officers there. Well, I'll give you a quick overview for your listeners. Uh, Congress has the ultimate authority for any city laws passed within GC, uh, D.C. jurisdiction. And so their liberal mayor and their liberal council have repeatedly tried to put in legislation or pass legislation that affects their policing ability. What are they are trying to accomplish? What are the things they want to do? They want to change their policies. They want to make it so, first of all, so that you can access at any time the body cameras that the officers are wearing. So you can access all the personnel files, all the records. They want to make it so that there are only certain procedures or holds that you can use when you are fighting an assailant. Uh, things along those lines. There are certain uh, procedures that they want abolished. They don't want you to be able to use, quote-unquote, a chokehold, things along those lines. Now, people say, well, that sounds good at the service. What's wrong with any of that? Well, let's talk about it for just a minute. First of all, when you're dealing with a life-and-death situation, you just come up on an assailant who has just murdered four or five people right in front of you. And you're in a gun battle, and now you become into an altercation with the two. You're fighting for your very life. You have to sit there and determine in your mind. Now, if I grab him too far to the right, too far to the left, or if I grab him too tightly, I can be charged. And you remember now, you have liberal DAs that are funded by George Soros. That's what they're looking for. And if you get charged, we're not talking about charging you and giving you a $5 fine. We're talking about putting you in jail for a long period of time if you violate these policies. So here's what happens if you've ever been in any kind of combat situation or any type of uh, assailant situation. The moment you hesitate is the moment you die. You cannot afford to hesitate in performing your duties or you will lose your life. So they're putting the lives of these officers at risk. Well, let's talk about the uh, body cameras and all. Can you imagine having to have this uh, air 24-7 you know, many times you and I get into a discussion in a car or something along those lines, and I'll forget the camera's on. Those kind of uh, discussions should not be accessed by the public unless there is a probable cause to do so. In other words, if you and I are in the car, we're discussing how we're going to cover up a crime. That is something a prosecutor can look at. And then, yes, it becomes available as part of evidence. It's not something that you should just be able to log on your computer, you know, your computer and find out what's going on in the personal lives of our officers every day. That's an infringement on privacy. These are the kind of issues. Understand, JR, you're asking people 
to put their lives on the line, to risk their very families. Because quite frankly, if something goes wrong, they may die in the line of duty. Their families will be adversely affected. If they get arrested, they'll lose their pension. They'll lose their funding. So you're asking them to do all this for a substandard pay to begin with. You remember, we don't pay law enforcement very much. You're asking them to do it to communities that don't appreciate them, don't value them, that continually disrespect them. And then you want to add these critics on top of it. You just had your police chief just resign to D.C. He just resigned a couple days ago. He's leaving. Yeah, He's had enough. And quite frankly, majority of officers have the same way. Now, fortunately, we have a Republican House now in Congress, and they're blocking that legislation from being able to go anywhere. They're saying we have the right, ultimate authority. We're not going to let you implement that. We're going to block it and veto it. Now, the president has said, oh, no, we're going to allow the Democrats to get what they want anyway. We'll see what happens at the end of the day. I was never a fan of of police officers, law enforcement officers being shackled with video. I almost feel like most of the time when you see that Axios cam, I guess that's, what's it, Axios? How do they get the, uh, how did they get all of the law enforcement to use their, was there a bid process? I always wondered about that. Not that it has anything relevant to do, but I'm just curious how one company uh, got all the contracts for law enforcement. It was politics. It was dirty politics. On was top it? Of all that. And yes. And, you know, and quite frankly, you know, it's it's technology. It's all in how you write a bid, Jr. Everybody, if you know how the government system, you write it in such a way that, you know, my cameras have to be uh, pink and blue. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones that make them pink and blue. So, boom, that's how that's how it gets away. That, they, they do that kind of thing all the time. Do police and officers protect- generally don't like having, being required to wear those body cams or use them? Do they... It gets in the way, right? Because it makes them second guess themselves. The and you just said, when you when you get into that situation, you're dead. Yeah, there's no question. It, it gets in the way. That's the first and foremost thing. Have officers begin to get used to them? Yes, but only because of the fact that there were some privacy, some protection in there. Now they want to remove that. And when you remove that, no, it's going to cause officers to say, it's just not worth it. I mean, you're asking me to do all this for a yeah. uh, job that nobody respects, that nobody wants to appreciate to begin with. Why? I wonder if recruitment is down as low as the military, which is down 25% nationally. It's worse. It's worse across the country. Uh, we have, and I am across this great land of ours, continuous, every agency that I go to, whether it's the small agency you know, with one stoplight or whether it's the major agencies like LAPD, NYPD, et cetera. They will all tell you, you ask one question, what's the hardest issue facing you today? And every chief will look you in the eye and say, we can't find anybody to wear the badge. Well, it's not surprising when you think about it because they've been marginalized, demonized, in many cases, one of the problems I have with these body cams is oftentimes you see things completely out of context. You don't see what happened before, correct. and you don't see what happened after. You only see the person being shot by nine police officers. You know, And how many times have, right. we, have we had these eruption of rioting all over the country, Atlanta being sort of the hub, in my opinion. But every time you, you see a body cam, you see uh, a, a guy who looks like he was innocently shot, and then there's an internal investigation, and it just, to me, it gets in the way. And the sad reality is I think that the criminals know this, and they use it to their advantage. And they're, they sort of have the, uh, the upper hand in today's law enforcement world. They definitely have the upper hand, and it is very, very concerning what you just said because it's very applicable and true. What they do is they know how to work the system. They go in and edit the footage. 
used to do today. They change it? No, they don't change it. They just take out certain portions. Yeah. This is what we want you to see today. And that automatically creates an impression. And you and I both know, GR, our first impressions are very hard to overcome. And uh, and when you have a, a media that is con- continually pounding the message that law enforcement is bad, criminals are victims, then this is what you have. Michael, that's always a pleasure to have you on the program. Uh, obviously, people who listen know that you're a regular, and we are glad about that because you're keeping us up to date. MichaelLetz.us is a great website. Give you a little background on what he does and ways you can get involved to help him. Michael Letts, thank you again for joining me on Speaking Out America. Coming up, we have another great interview with a gentleman to get us the latest update on what's happening with the Supreme Court and the abortion issue. Stay tuned. You're listening to Speaking Out America. I'm JR. And we're happy to be back with the Compass Care CEO, Reverend James Harden, who is taking a closer look at pro-abortion domestic terrorism and how law enforcement's failure to protect us could make them culpable. And uh, and if you don't recognize this theme music, it's from one of my favorite movies or television shows called House. I don't know if you remember that, James, but uh, it, it was such a great show because it was like, oh, a doctor who's actually honest with people. <laughs> Imagine that, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's good to have you back on. You, of course, have been on a couple of times here with us in my audience at Speaking Out America. And over the weekend, Ronnie McDaniel, uh, who is the RNC chair, said that we, the Republicans, have to come up with a better message because we got our clocks cleaned in 2022 because of abortion. How do we handle this? Because we don't want to, and I know the dilemma that people have, because we don't want to compromise on something as as important and sacred as the sanctity of life. But clearly, uh, for those who, who believe in strict abortion rights, if any abortions at all, what we're fighting back against now is 40, 60 years of this drumbeat that's been pounded into to people's heads that you can not only entitled to all the sexual liberty you want, but there are no consequences. And that's why we're having 800,000 abortions on average every single year. If you want to know why the, the left is pushing so hard, look no further than your local pharmacy or your local doctor. It is a billion. What did you say the last time we spoke? There's just been all this allocation made towards Planned Parenthood where they're going to get like $3 billion a year or something crazy like that. Well, they're already getting $670 million a year. That's 36% of their entire operating budget. People say that federal government is not giving any money to abortion. Really? Well, 40% of all abortions are are uh, perpetrated upon American citizens by Planned Parenthood. And only 19% of their, of their revenue comes from services rendered. So uh, they, they, this is this is a serious problem, and and you know Ron McDaniel's with the the, the the chairwoman there at the Republican uh, National Committee, she's right. We said I said back in August ahead of the midterms, and we started to see these Republican candidates scrubbing their websites after the uh, primaries of anything pro life, and they started backing away. Um, and then the Democrats started doubling down on abortion, making it the the, the issue that they're running on. And I said, if Republicans don't start start leaning in, these Republicans don't start leaning in to the pro-life message, start owning it, they're going to lose. 
the red tide's going to die on the beach. And that's exactly what happened. And, uh, and, and we said, well, we need pro-life statesmen. We need this election. The, and I said, the 2024 election, if we don't, if we don't learn this lesson that we that, that the 2022 delivered to us, then, then pro-life politicians are going to lose again. Um, and the Democrats have, have committed to, to ta- making uh, the 2024 election about abortion again. Ronnie McDaniel says, you, you got to get comfortable. Pro- anybody who wants to run on a Republican ticket needs to get comfortable being pro-life. And I said, look, we need pro-life statesmen. We need people who can understand that it's not about opinions. It's not about science. It's not about stats. It's about what government is for. Government is for protecting all people equally. It's not the government's job to decide who qualifies as a person protected under the law and who doesn't. It's the government. It's the government's job to protect all people equally without qualification. That's what the 14th Amendment is all about. That's, that's you know, this the 13th and 14th Amendment were, uh, you know, implemented after the Civil War, after slavery, to ensure that all people, including black people, uh, received equal protection under the law. And, you know, that, that's what abortion is all about. It's a rejection of, of, of the protection of preborn boys and girls from uh, the benefit of the law. So, uh, you know, th- this is a this is a huge uh, America's at a crossroads of choice. And we we either have to decide that we believe we're made or, 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 or evolved a little higher than the animal. And therefore, we're going to be ruled by barbarians. And we're going to tear ourselves apart like what's happening right now. Or we're going to choose to believe that we're made a little a little lower than God. And, and at that point, we can begin to, 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 to understand what civilized order should be about. Human dignity does not come from government. We're not, we're, we're not endowed by our government with in, inalienable rights. We're endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. And life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, these kind of things, uh, this is – God is who gives us human dignity. God is – and at, at that point, we begin to respect each other, even if we differ. But human dignity is the basis for blind justice. And without it, equality is just a word that, that the you know, pro-abortion Democrats use to manipulate the masses. So, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're in a tough spot right now. But we need to remember that morality trumps money. Morality always reads. If you want to learn how, how some how a country believes how they spend their money, a budget is a moral document. So, um, you know, we, we've got uh, anarchy in our midst. This transgenderism, for example, is anarchy. It's a rejection of the natural law and the moral law. And and who is attacking pro-life, peaceful pro-life Christians like Compass Care? It's transgender pro-abortion extremists. They're Antifa. It's they're just cover. It's just a cover for Antifa. And it's not because they happen to be, you know, uh, so 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 thoughtful. It's that they're being recruited. Uh, these disaffected left-wing people are being recruited by Antifa uh, to, to accomplish their objectives of, of dismantling and destabilizing society to pay the way for, for global communism. You, you're talking about since the 60s, women have mm-hmm. been taught they should have equal rights with men, right? And, and mm-hmm. along with that is this idea of not, not it's my body term that was used over the weekend from Joy Reid was that the Republicans represent, uh, what did she call it? Womb slaves. <laughs> Womb slaves. Can you believe those two words ever being connected to each other by a hyphen? And I'm thinking, but she's, but she's, what she's, what she's doing is she's portraying the, the conservatives or the Republicans into a party of the people of Handmaid's Tale. That's what they're doing. They have convinced, and this is why I think we're going to lose this battle. But I've got a suggestion. I have a suggestion. Let's tell them the truth. 
Let's tell them why Planned Parenthood was was created. Let's let's bring up Margaret Sanger. Let's bring mm. up the fact that more African Americans are aborted than any other race in America. If we bring yep. up the fact that companies are making billions of dollars, that doctors are doing this because of profit and they could care mm. less about human rights or women's rights or rights to human I love the way they call it uh, family planning. It's so far yeah. from family planning or reproductive rights. There's no reproduction going on. It's fraud. It's you know, it, Planned Parenthood. They're not. It's, it's it's not about parenthood at all. I, you know, the the um, you're right. When they said when she said womb slaves, what she's referring to is is typical rhetoric used by Marxists, and that's why they they've attacked pregnancy centers. They call us Christian fascists. They're saying that we we are forcing women to have their babies, forcing them to become permanent socioeconomic underclasses. We are enslaving women. We are terrorizing women through, through our ideology, our Christian ideology, and enslaving them. Uh, this, is, this is classic kind of Marxist uh, uh, revolutionary insurgency type language. And when you see this kind of womb slave or forced, you know, uh, forced mm-hmm. to carry kind of slavery kind of terminology coming out of the pro-abortion political uh, apparatus, yeah. you, have to, you have to stop and, and, and say, well, where's that coming from? It's coming from an ideology. They have an ideology, and they're working toward uh, dismantling and re-engineering uh, the, the American form of government away from rule of law, which is the Constitution based on Judeo-Christian heritage, to rule of man, mm-hmm. which is their idea of right and wrong. You know, there's a reason why this, the Ten Commandments are written on the, on the doors of the Supreme Court. It's because we, we have a rule of law that is outside of mankind. We, we, we appeal to uh, a, 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 an idea of good and right, which is, which is immutable. It's not changeable from one generation to the next. That's why we can have stable, civilized order. But we want to destabilize it, dismantle it, uh, and, and, and make, you know, extract God from the equation and set you know, at least vacuum that government can step into. So, you know, I think, you know, you're talking about, yeah. you're right. No, it's, I, again, it's just, we our, our message has to get better. And I think we need to hammer that point. Let's expose the abortion industry for what it is and what it's designed yeah. to be, which is to eliminate a large portion of undesirables. Reverend James Harden, I thank you very much for joining us. He is the CEO of Compass Care Pregnancy Services. Look them up and help in their cause. Until next time, thank you so much, uh, Reverend, for joining us today on Speaking Out America. Coming up, you'll never guess what the Navy is trying to do to recruit new enlistees. you got to hear this. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Speaking Out America. I'm your host, JR, and a tribute to the great Gordon Lightfoot. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down at the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. This is one of my favorite songs of all time. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more. There's so much you can extrapolate from this wonderful song. First of all, the writing, this, the way that he tells this this true story about these men who uh, who went out and never came back. And I don't know if they, I think they did eventually find them. But the story goes that they had put on too much uh, iron 
that they were carrying across Lake Urin up to Superior. And I think they were going to Detroit and they got caught up in Whitefish Bay. Now, the only reason I know all this is because I've heard this song a zillion times, as have you. And, you know, I don't know. I don't think AI could ever write that. Maybe they could. Maybe artificial intelligence could write that. But he was even honored today by Justin Trudeau. And uh, Edmund Fitzgerald was one of many great songs, Carefree Highway, If You Could Read My Mind. Those are just classics. And Gordon, I, I remember I would I, w- I was in the military at one point. And I went to one of these dive bars and, you know, there was a guy up on stage playing Gordon Lightfoot music. And man, he did a great job too. I mean, he was just fantastic, but boy, we've cer- certainly lost the, the ability of a story. I mean, even country music today, which used to be story, one big story after another is now it's just not the same. Is it just me or am I just getting sort of, I'm not enthusiastic about Gen, Gen Z, you know, John Nolte from Breitbart wrote a great article over the weekend where he talks about the difference between Gen X and Gen Z. And Gen X are all the people that were born, I think it's 64 to 99 or 64 to maybe 70, maybe 77 or something. Anyway, uh, I was just before that, the baby boomers. But he was right. The Generation Xs were carefree. They were the punk rock crowd. They were the U2 crowd. They were the, you know, the the music of the 80s. That came from Gen Z. A lot of the great television shows that we all watched, uh, the Gen Z, they got to watch all those great TV shows from the 80s and the 90s, or the Gen Xs. And they really were just good people. I All of my best friends are Gen Xers. And we, But when you talk to the young people today, they get offended. You tell them a joke. And you don't know, and they have to like figure it out. Okay, did he just say something that I should be offended? I remember one time I got into an argument with one of my kids about a joke, and I thought it was the funniest joke in the world, and they were just couldn't have it. It's just it's that mindset. It, what's happened is, and this is my my son pointing this out to me. He said, "You remember all those special achievement awards they were handing out to all the kids in school? Remember everybody? Nobody went home empty-handed." Well, that was your generation, Pop. And he's right. We spoiled our Gen Zers. And now there are snowflakes and the least bit of, of, of microaggression will set them off and they'll turn your ass in. I mean, that's the sad part about it is you're getting more and more like those kids in Cultural Revolution China in the 60s. But um, anyway, I don't know how we got from that to Gordon Lightfoot, but Gordon was just just another reminder of the good old days for me. And uh, he will be missed. And he had a pretty uh, pretty successful life, but he had some challenges as well. And speaking of being in the military, I, I read this today and my, my jaw dropped. Welcome, by the way, to Speaking Out America. I'm JR. Our website is speakingoutamerica.com. And we also post all of our podcasts. We're actually going to be launching a new podcast uh, very shortly called End Times. End Times. And you'll find it at speakingoutamerica.com. So guess who came up with a great idea? Old Mike Milley over there, the guy that wears, I don't know how he got all those ribbons. I mean, he's a talk about an overachiever. Have you seen the ribbons on, is it Mark Milley, the, the chief of staff general, the joint chief of staff director? Well, he is the, uh, he is 
he is so woke. He has completely wokeified the military. And maybe that's why maybe that's why recruitments are down 25%. You can go into the military now and get a if you decide you go in as a John, you can come out as a Mary. And now when I was in the military, it wasn't about you, it was about us. We were taught in basic training, it's not about you, it's about you saving your fellow soldier. Because when you end up in the ditch that day, when that day comes and there's bullets flying, it's not going to matter if you're a man or a woman. That woman is going to pierce your flesh and it's going to kill you right where you stand. Unless you have somebody who watches your back and that somebody is going to be your fellow soldier. So one of the first things they teach you is how to catch each other. Kind of a simple little, right? But it it instills confidence because when you're falling backward, you have to develop trust that that soldier behind you is going to be watching your back and he's going to catch you as you fall. And there's all kinds of things that they do to, to get you into that group, you know, where everybody's running in step and following the commands of the, the uh, chief. And that's what the military is about because you're going to war. The military is about war. We're going to war. I don't know if people realize this, but we're going to war. We're already at war. There is not going to be a negotiated peace settlement between Ukraine and Russia. This is about one thing. It's about regime change. America and the West thinks that they can regime change just like they did it in the last century where they can just go in and start taking out whoever they want. Because see, Putin has one thing in common with most of the people in America who don't like what's going on. Putin is not a globalist. He does not want to be a part of the globalist cabal. He does not want to be told how to run his government. He doesn't want to be told about you know putting up the pride flag or the trans flag or any other flag. He is not about that. He is about the integrity of his country and his culture. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's anywhere even near a decent guy. For God's sakes, Adolf Hitler liked his dogs. Okay. I'm not inferring that, that, that this Putin isn't a murderer because he is, but he's also very smart and he's very keen and he sees what's happening and he doesn't want to be controlled by a corporatocracy which is what the globalists have in mind where we all become just no more than a battery. And so our regime wants to change their regime. And that's why incumbent upon that is a strong military. So we found ourselves in a war and guess what the Navy has decided to do to recruit new enlistees. The Navy brought on a drag queen who, by the way, is an active duty sailor uh, to play a digital ambassador aimed at targeting a wider array of potential recruits through digital platforms like Instagram and Twitter and others, Snapchat, to try to recruit people into joining. They're going to use a drag queen to try to recruit young people. The Navy is seeking different ways of reaching young recruits, according to the Daily Caller as it faces historic recruiting crisis, according to the social media report. Now, you got to ask yourself, why are people not going into the Navy or not going into the Army? Why? Because they know what awaits them. They're going to be brainwashed into this new... Most of the recruits, if I remember, were from the South, the Deep South. 
there's a lot of patriotism in the in the South. There's also a lot of people in the South who have fathers and mothers who fought in previous wars, even the Gulf Wars. And so they inspire the young to follow suit, do what your daddy did, you know. But they look at the military now and they see Mark Milley and they hear what's happening. They don't want to go anywhere near it. Can you blame them? How'd you like to go into the military and be forced to take a shower? If you're a woman and you want to go into the Air Force and be a pilot, great. But guess what? You're going to be standing next to another woman who has a large penis in the shower. And there won't be a damn thing you're going to be able to do about it. Uh, Lieutenant Ian Clark and PO third class Kyle Actison wrote for the U.S. Naval Institute Journal. The Navy brought on an active duty drag queen to participate in a pilot program aimed at reaching a wider audience through popular social media platforms as the military faces severe recruiting woes. Yeoman class, uh, second class Joshua Kelly, stage name, and Harpy Daniels announced the Navy invited him to become the first Naval digital, digital, I mean with his fingers? Oh, no, the other digital. Ambassador. Do you not understand that probably if if this gets out uh, and it goes viral, do you know how much of a joke it's going to be for all the other countries, including all the Western democracies, when they see this drag queen soliciting recruits to the Navy? Do you see what that could possibly lead to? Uh, talk about joy and mirth. We are going to be the, if we're not already, we're going to be the laughing stock of the world. There will be no, imagine what this is going to do to the morale of the people that are already in the military. They're going to want to get out as fast as they can. They don't want to be associated with, it will literally be as if, what was that group in the 70s? Uh, the, the saying YMCA, what was that? Oh, I, I know I'll remember it after the show. YMCA. Anyway, it's like that now in the military. Isn't that something? Well, I just got to bow my head sometime and I shake it and I say, what is going on? You're listening to, to JR. This is Speaking Out America. Join us online as well. SpeakingOutAmerica.com. Until next time.